0: length of the normal trial for a limited time, go to followupboss.com forward slash best ever and perfect your follow-up. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com.
1: Surround yourself with people There is no way in heck that would be where I am today without having certain mentors and coaches around me to teach me what they've done at a high level. So I would say just put yourself in the room.
2: Hello, best ever listeners. Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Ash Patel and I'm with today's guest, Eric Chatterton. Eric is joining us from Houston, Texas. He's the co-founder and managing partner for Gibby's Capital Investments, a multifamily investment firm that focuses on large-scale value-add properties. He went from zero to 368 doors within his first year. Eric, thank you for joining us and how are you today?
1: Oh man, I'm doing great, happy to be here. You know, been a listener for quite some time, so excited to be here and be able to add some value.
2: We're happy to have you as well. Eric, before we get started, can you give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on now?
1: Sure, so as far as my background, my previous life I was in direct sales, I used to run a solar dealer as well, so I was in the direct sales space for 12 years and was doing phenomenal, Did a great, had a great career in that, but kind of made the shift into multifamily and into real estate just over a year ago, about 14, 15 months ago. Part of the reason why I jumped in was my family, actually, I grew up in and around real estate and single family and both multifamily as well, but the way that I saw it, we all probably have it, but my family was killing themselves. My parents were killing themselves working 12, 13, 14 hour days. And I wanted something better for them. They'd been working really hard my entire life. and I knew there was a better way to do it, but they were self-managing all of their single families and two small multifamily buildings as well. So that's kind of when I sought out multifamily and syndication and tried to help my family get into larger properties so they can be more passive instead of being as active as they were.
2: And because you saw your parents working so hard, did that fear cause you to put systems in place from the get-go?
1: It did. It actually also helped me to cherish the time that I have with family and vacations whatever I might love to do quite a bit more. So yeah, there's definitely systems in place. And part of it is just looking at larger properties, 100 plus unit buildings, and that can justify having a property management company to take over.
2: Eric, zero to 368 units within your first year. How did that happen?
1: Man, it wouldn't have happened without a lot of people helping out, I tell you what. But there's a lot of speed bumps and hurdles and failures along the way. So I don't paint this picture to be sunshine and rainbows by any means, but if you surround yourself with people that are doing what you wanna do and people that are experts in their craft, then eventually you'll become that. And so kind of how it happened is I have 368 units that are closed now. I also have two more New buildings under contract within recent weeks, another 128 unit, another 168 unit, both here in Houston, Texas. So that'll be totaling 664 units, I believe, which is great. But kind of how it started was I jumped into a mastermind group. I knew I wasn't going to be able to do this alone. And I wanted to surround myself with people that were actively doing this and actively doing it at the level that I wanted to do it at. So I jumped into this group called Multifamily Mindset. And shout out to them and Tyler Devereaux and Ryan Woolley. Those guys put together a phenomenal program that really just kind of laid the foundation for me to be able to propel my career in the space.
2: What were some of those missing pieces that you learned from both surrounding yourself with the right people and the mastermind?
1: Well, first I had no real estate experience. The only exposure I had growing up as a kid, because my family had multifamily and single family, all that I really did was mow the lawn and shovel snow. So (laughs) As far as the business side of it, I wasn't exposed to much. So I knew that jumping into a group where people had that knowledge and had that training was going to be key for me. In previous things I had done in life, I'd seen quite a bit of success, but this was something completely foreign. And I was humble enough to realize if I didn't get some help, then it would be a tough road.
2: Well, specifically, what were those things that helped you get to where you are today?
1: A couple of things that I would say they are the most important is one, relationships. This is a relationship business. The multifamily space is very big on personal relationships. And I spent a lot of time building strong relationships with both potential sponsors, potential partners, brokers, the list goes on. And so I just spent a lot of time focusing and making sure that I was able to add value to other people. But those relationships are how I got in on my first two deals. And my first two deals wouldn't have happened without some of the relationships I had built. So coming from a value add mindset, I think is key.
2: Eric, you've achieved a lot of success in a very short amount of time. What are some mistakes that you can share with us so that other people don't repeat those same mistakes?
1: Oh man, there's a lot. A couple things, always staying up to date with what's going on in your markets that you're focusing on. Always constantly doing market research and figuring out different insurance quotes. For example, last year there was a big freeze in Texas. So I'm not sure if you remember that. Do you remember oh, that? Yeah.
2: I had a lot of investments down there.
1: So before that freeze happened, we were underwriting our deals at 450 dollars a door for insurance. And we actually submitted an offer after the freeze at that same amount. When in reality, we had to underwrite at a thousand bucks a door at that point. And so changed our numbers. We submitted the offer, had to retract it. So that was humbling to learn, but also we wouldn't have caught it if we didn't have some of the mentors and guidance that we did. So that was a mistake. Definitely staying on top of your market and what's going on. So make sure your numbers are accurate when you're underwriting these deals.
2: How are you finding deals?
1: Right now, majority, it's just coming from brokers. We spent about a year building strong broker relationships. We were going out of our way to take brokers to lunch, follow up with the brokers. It was very key for us. So a lot of local ones in both Dallas, Fort Worth and Houston. So a lot of that has come back to help us. A lot of the time we're focusing on them, their families, their lives, putting ourselves in their shoes of how they would want to be approached. And that helped a lot because now we've maintained those relationships and we get a lot of off market deals brought to us. And right now deal flow is the least of our worries.
2: (laughs) How do brokers like to be approached?
1: I think it's more of a sense of giving them confidence that your team is capable for one, but two, not just jumping to business right away. I know they're busy and they have their things that they got to do, but also they're human beings and they like to be treated as such. Asking about their families, their kids' baseball game, if they mentioned it on the last call or something like that. Humanizing yourself and being a real person and remembering things that you talk about, just having normal human interaction can really go a long way with them. And it shows them that you care. And then after you get a, couple, a deal, two deals, they remember those things and they'll start remembering you When they have another off-market good opportunity that comes across their desk.
2: Eric, can you take us through your first deal, how you found it, how you assembled your team and what the numbers were on that deal and how you raised capital?
1: Sure. So this is kind of a two-part question. So the first deal that I actually got brought into wasn't even my deal. It was my mentors, Tyler and Ryan's deal. They had a big investor, a $2.5 million investor pull out last minute, and it was going to affect they had. I think they had used their extensions. And anyway, I came in and I had already raised two and a half million from my investors, from both family and friends. And simply what we did was we just placed my capital into their deal. And also Tyler lives in Maui and Ryan lives in Orlando. And so I was also local. The deal was in Dallas, Fort Worth. So I lived in the market. So I also helped with asset management on that deal a little bit as well. So that's how I got into the first one. And then through that deal, I met my sponsors on the second deal because they were partners with Tyler and Ryan on that deal. Her name was Lisa Parrish and she's got over 3000 doors. And so I took it upon myself to build a relationship with her and kind of get in her corner. And her and her husband came to me after we did due diligence on that property and said, Hey, we think you're going places and we'd like to sponsor your next deal and kind of take you under our wing. And that was a huge turning point for me
2: in the space. Eric, on your first deal, you said that you had the money all ready to go.
1: Yeah. So this was about seven months into my journey. So the first seven months was several challenges, speed bumps, and failures. But I always encourage people, there's a great book called Failing Forwards. It teaches you to shift your mindset and actually seek out failure because that's when you grow the most. And it's a great book, but that was kind of what we did. I mean, we submitted 27 offers before we got our first one accepted. So we made best and final, I think six or seven different times. So that can definitely take a toll on you. Full transparency, that can take a toll on your confidence, that can take a toll on your momentum. So find it upon ourselves to keep pushing and keep going. And we did that. And then this opportunity came up. And so yeah, I had raised money from my family was selling some of their assets in Oregon. So I had a big chunk of change coming from them and some other friends as well. So definitely kind of stars aligned on that one. But it got my foot in the door and I was able to place their money into Tyler and Ryan's deal and just add as much value to them as I possibly could and built a strong relationship with them. And now we've partnered on a couple of deals with them now.
2: And Eric, what's the hardest lesson you've learned in the last year?
1: Man, that's a good question. Hardest lesson is communication. I think communication is key, both with investors, your teammates. I had a situation on our second deal. This was the first deal A to Z that we did on our own, but I had a situation where we were supposed to turn in our earnest money at a certain day on a Wednesday, right? And so I remember we had an investor that was going to place the earnest money and wire the funds on that Wednesday. And I spoke to him the previous Wednesday. So it was a week before that. This is a huge lesson. And I hope some of the listeners can take something out of this because I learned a very hard lesson that day and things worked out anyway. So I talked to the investor a week before earnest money's due and he says, yep, everything's good. I say funds are due next Wednesday. So anyway, I waited the entire week, didn't bug him and called him on Wednesday. said, Hey, we're ready to go. <laughs> and the first thing he says is, well, what do you mean? I need a day or two to move funds around. I'm not ready, but funds were due that day or we were going to lose the deal. It was tough realizing that I could have just lost this thing for everybody. We involved our investors, our partners, sponsors and from one simple mistake of lack of communication. So if I was to go back and do anything different, this is what I'd do. I would have shot him a simple message on Monday and said, hey, just a quick reminder that funds are due on Wednesday. So make sure to make whatever arrangements you need to, so we can be prepared for that. And then I would have shot him another message or a phone call on Tuesday, reminding him one more time, giving him heads up that funds are due tomorrow. So that's what I would have done. Big lesson. Anyway, we got it squared away. Sponsors came in and saved the day and ended up making that wire and investor ended up reimbursing them for that. So big lesson learned there. So hopefully people can take something from that.
2: That could have gone the other
0: way. Very quickly. Yes. We'll get back to the show. But first, some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. When it comes to scaling your real estate business, is lack of capital holding you back? Raising private capital on demand can be a major challenge. But Investor Guide that outlines the seven red flags for passive apartment and self-storage investing. Visit PassiveInvesting.com forward slash red flags to download that PDF now. That's PassiveInvesting.com forward slash red flags.
2: What is your best real estate investing advice ever?
1: I would say to surround yourself with people that are just doing what you want to do. I mentioned it previously before, but there is no way in heck that would be where I am today without having certain mentors and coaches around me to teach me what they've done and at a high level. So I would say, just put yourself in the room, find a way, join a mastermind, whatever you need to do to put yourself at the table and get a seat at the table. So you can learn from people actually doing that. This is not an easy industry. It's not an easy space to be in. So the more exposure you can get, the more you can keep your mouth open about what you're doing, the better positions and the more doors are going to open for you.
2: And Eric, let's go back and dive into some of these numbers. On that first deal that you raised capital for, what was the return to the investors, your family, essentially?
1: It's actually pretty good. So we'll call my family total investment 2.5. It was great because they had capital gains tax of over $900,000 from the sale of their properties. And so there was a big tax burden there. So I'm glad you asked that. It's a huge turning point for me in my capital raising efforts for this industry. But at the beginning i once thought man i don't want to bug people for money or feel like i'm asking people for money and that was a common thought from what i had heard from other people as well but once i realized what this had done for my family it shifted my mindset completely and made capital raising even easier but what we did is we did a cost segregation study with bonus depreciation we were able to 100% eliminate their tax burden with the IRS there and then on top of that just from the cash flow on top Of the taxes, the cash flow alone, they're making right around $200,000 a year just from the first investment. And they also invested in my second deal as well. So between the two, they're making about $230,000 passively as passive investors without having to be active like they once were, without working 12, 13, 14-hour days. Now they're retired. Their assets are sold. It's the first time that I've gotten to live next to my family in 13 years. So they sold their assets and moved down to Texas with me. Which is huge, and it's great for us, for me, and about to start a family, and it's great. I definitely want them both around.
2: Very cool, man! What a win! Yeah. And then on your second deal, what were the numbers?
1: Numbers. It was a thirteen point three million dollar property. Total raise on it was seven point three million. It was a big lift, heavy lift. We had some help on it for sure, but returns were pretty good. It was exciting because I had just gotten done raising capital and seeing what it had done for my family. So I had a lot of momentum moving into this next deal. We closed on the first one and 10 days afterwards, we got our LOI accepted on another deal, the 144-unit deal in Houston, which closed on in November. Hold on.
2: We got to back up. $13.3 million purchase in a Mm -hmm. $7 million raise. We Mm -hmm. raised almost 50% of the value. Tell me how big of a lift this was.
1: It was a heavy lift and it was not easy. That's why we ended up bringing in some help and Grateful for my partners on that one, but we hit a wall raising capital and that's why we needed some reinforcements, if you will. But that's the beauty of this sport. It's a team sport, man. It is not a one-man show by any means. And the good thing is with these large deals, there's enough good to go around, but we had closing costs. We had the down payment for the loan. We had our entire CapEx budget, closing costs, acquisition fees, all of the above. So that's what made it up to 7.3.
2: How many units...
1: This is a 144 unit building. So three of my properties are in Houston and one's in Dallas, Fort Worth.
2: And was this just a gut renovation?
1: No, it wasn't too bad. The exteriors were actually in really good shape. Previous owners had put about three quarters of a million dollars into the exteriors, but what did need a lot of work were the interiors. And so a lot of the interiors, there's a lot of long-term residents that had lived there and some of them over 20 years. So (laughs) There's a lot of the units that needed some help on the interiors for sure. So that's where a lot of our budget
2: went to. What percentage did you have to put down on this deal?
1: It was 31%.
2: And all of the CapEx you guys raised initially.
1: Yeah. And like I said, we had some help from some good partners on that one because it's not an easy thing. That was a very, very heavy lift. You go in confident and sometimes you get beat down a little bit, but when you have a good, strong mastermind behind you or network behind you and team behind you, you can really accomplish quite a bit more. So I attribute a lot of my success to the people that I've surrounded myself with.
2: And what's the anticipated return to your investors? Is there a price?
1: Yeah, it was a combination of two things. So both a 7 or 8% preferred return. And then how that property looked, our annualized rate return came to 19.7%. So pretty good little property over there. We're excited about that. And also just an update on it, just to let you know where we're at. And we've only owned the property now since the beginning of November. So four or five short months, we're already accomplishing our five-year projections on our efficiency units, not our one and two bedrooms, but on our efficiency units, we're already accomplishing our five-year goals of what our rent projections are going to be on a lot of the units. So things are trending in a very cool direction. It was honestly just a really great property. The previous owners were just kind of a little bit lazy as far as bumping rents up because they had some relationships with the tenants and we came in and we're just able to start executing our business plan.
2: Eric, are you ready for the best ever lightning round?
1: Sure. Let's see it.
2: All right, Eric, what's the best ever book you recently read?
1: I would say it's Atomic Habits for sure. That one is powerful. It's great for resetting and reestablishing your identity and just determining which of your daily habits are in line with that identity. It's just a super good book. Highly recommend it.
2: Eric, what's the best ever way you like to give back?
1: I think for me, I realize how much other people have impacted my business and what the multifamily space has done for me. So I would say as far as giving back, it's actually industry related. Like I said, I've seen how multifamily has changed my life. Before I got into this space, I was in a bunch of debt and was able to help other investors make passive income and at the same time alleviate my debt as well. So It's helped my life and my business a lot. So part of the way that I like to give back is by helping other new investors along their journey and helping them get past those humps that they have and those bumps in the road that they have in their business. And so that's where I get a lot of my fulfillment is helping new investors come through and pass that barrier that they might be running into because it is possible. People can do this as long as you just stick to it. I truly believe that the only time you lose in the multifamily space is if you quit.
2: Eric, I wanted to ask you, do you guys self-manage all of these properties?
1: We don't. We have a property management company that comes in and does a phenomenal job.
2: Is it the same PM company for all of the properties or are they different?
1: It's the same one. We've built a good relationship with them and they've adapted to our business model. And they're phenomenal at due diligence and we're grateful to have them.
2: And what percentage do they take off the top or is it not as easy?
1: No, that's a good question. You'd have to ask my asset manager, Megan. She's the one in constant communication with them.
2: Got it. Thank you. And Eric, how can the best ever listeners reach out to you?
1: I'm on all the social media platforms, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram. But really, if someone's wanting to connect with me, you can go to our website, www.gibbiescapital.com. And you can see all of our contact information from there for myself and my teammates as well.
2: Awesome, Eric. Thank you so much for your time today and sharing your story. Coming from a sales career, joining a mastermind learning the value of having the right people around you and achieving an incredible feat of having your parents live next to you. That is very cool. And thank you for sharing all of that.
1: You're welcome. Had a great time. Thanks for having me.
2: Best ever listeners. Thank you so much for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a five-star review and share the podcast with someone you think that can benefit from it. Also follow, subscribe and have a best ever day.